This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. In the realm of podcasts, there exists a unique auditory gem named Beckinsale. Led by three spirited guides, Joel, Kent, and Zach, the show embarks on journeys through lush landscapes of pop culture. With expert finesse, they dissect films, harmonize over music, and savor the flavors of fast food. Join them in this captivating expedition that unearths the extraordinary in the ordinary, weaving tales as mesmerizing as the wild itself. Jolly good. Narrated by Zachary Attenborough. Jolly good. Thank you. Good show, old chap. Brilliant. Welcome to Bakersfield. I'm Joe. I'm Kent. Yeah, did you say I'm Zach? <laughs> <laughs> Should we do this the entire show? Studio people pe- uh, watching all that. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our Avengers Mashable oh, show. What a ball. Bottle water. Save wow. bad accents for later. What? Did, did he just. Michael Caine. Michael Michael Caine. This show is going to be so annoying. It's going to be awful. It's going to be the worst. But hey, thank you for listening to our last episode. Specifically, hey, Jessica Terry, she wants the double Chris Evans show. Jessica Terry. That I I had. You got lucky. Um, She said my money's on Zach's movie. So there we go. Hmm. Appreciate that. But Jonathan Vascar says, can I pick multiple? Because in a rare first, I love Kent, Zach, and Joel's ideas. We got agreement. From what? The listener greed. They're like, wow. that's cool. Do people listen and go, I hate half of this show or one third of the show? Well, is it rare to like the whole show? Or is this one of those situations rare. where you say, uh, pick A, B, or C, and they say all of them? Uh, is that this situation? Uh, D. I, that, that bothers Joel sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Shout out to James Jackson, who actually played along using the random number generator. Yeah. That's awesome. And? And, and uh, I mean, uh, it's okay, a I'm comment on Facebook results. does the whole okay. thing. You have to Perfect. check it out. It's yeah, very okay. cool. Did a whole story uh, and even pitched how the movie would go. Oh, it's it's great. It's worth a read. And then finally, Chris Anderson said, Joel got his redemption arc. No more spaghetti straps and Randy's Letterman jacket. I'm not throwing Randy's Letterman jacket. I'm keeping that. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) From the uh, first day fit episode last year. It was a gift. Speaking of gifts. Is it pronounced um, gifts? (laughs) We would like to ask a favor of you. A gift, if you will. Because Bacon Sale is on the ballot for City Weekly Best of Utah. Best, As, just best of Utah? Best of Utah. No, best local podcast in the best of Utah. Next year we'll get on of best of state. Yes. That's a different thing. If you hadn't heard about this. Is it a we, different thing? It is. We've been talking about this with our patrons. We've been talking about this on social media, but we need your vote. We, we want you to vote for us. So you got to go to our social media pages. Look for the link there. We have it pinned on all the pages there. Mm-hmm. Voting ends at midnight on August 31st. So it's very short time frame here from yeah. when this episode airs, and you need to vote in a minimum of five different categories for your ballot to count. So look around, see what you like. We hope to get your vote for best local podcast in the media, people, and politics section of City Weekly's Best of Utah survey. But that's not we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? Uh, we're talking about jolly old England. All right, and pit pit cheerio. A shoes day in it. We do this every time. We did it. When we, we do the accents every time. When we did the Canada episode, episode 313. When we did the Australia episode, Strike Bacon Cell episode 355. But now we're doing England. England. Just chim, England. Chiminy, chim, chiminy, oh, chim, 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 We have to draw the line somewhere. Oh, really? <laughs> it's that? Just England. <laughs> we, we want to bring that up because well, through my research and through our discussions, we found out that Britain... And British yeah. is used to mean England, but it also refers to Wales and Scotland, which yeah, are all you know, part of that island. Because there. of the whole trying to take over the entire world thing. You know? <laughs> Do you have any facts on that, Joel? Because they took over 90% of the world. Uh, England. Facts. They took over 90% of the world. That's <laughs> the facts I have. Uh, I'm glad I did 90, that research. Exactly. But uh, we we may want to do a Wales show or a, a Scotland show like, down the road or an Isle of the Man show. Like a Wales, a Wales <laughs> show? 
so we decided to, to strictly put this episode um, towards England. Don't discount Isle of Man because they give us some incredible listens. Love you, Isle, you of Isle of Man we and women. <laughs> we'll say we'll have your own show. Hey, speaking of Welsh, did you know Catherine Zeta-Jones is Welsh? Yeah, we all Crazy. knew that. She's like one of three people that I are found that born out this there. Year. Yeah. Tom Jones. We just did our whale show. It's done. No, <laughs> we're Christian Bale as well. Uh, but that's as whale as well as Welsh. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the <laughs> not all British people. Just to clarify once again, not all British people are English, and England doesn't cover the entirety of Britain. Right. So during this episode, we may slip up at times and say British, but we mean. English. Because English sounds weird. English sounds like the language we speak. Sometimes that we speak. Uh, or or class. Or what uh, the or Amish, muffin. What the Amish call non-Amish uh, people. English. English. Yeah. By the way, gentlemen, just quick facts here about uh, England. Do you know which state is most approximate to the size of England? Mm, probably which United States? Ohio. Ohio? I'm going to say no, too big. Idaho. The closest one, they say, is New York State, oh, that's much which small. is approximately 47,000 square miles, and England is 50,000 square miles. So a little yeah. bigger than that, but that's mm. about the size we're looking at. And yet it has such a big influence on the entire world. Absolutely. Now, we, in the past, we did the number of co- uh, categories for Canada show based on the number of provinces right. and, and the number of in Australia. It's territories. Was, and territories and states. Yes. And England uh, only has nine regions, and they're not even like really official regions Mm -hmm. like they have uh southeast london northwest east of england which is weird it's east of england but it's in england west midlands southwest yorkshire and humber east midlands and northeast nine Mm. regions okay that's it but nine regions seemed a little too small for the number of categories that we were going to do i mean probably the appropriate size for the amount of time that we want to do this show probably but too small for a category show yes so we decided in honor of the 13 colonies that they (laughs) created in north america that didn't that's not we're doing 13 categories that's mm. (laughs) take that england what we do have people we love you though thank you for listening we apologize for our accent this is our boston tea party this episode (laughs) we are the most american I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are we sorry about? Now, uh, now I'd like to discuss your experiences with England. Do you have any personal experience with England, gentlemen? I've been there. Have you? I have. Tell me about it. Quite a lovely place. Dreary, don't you know? Quite gray. Was it raining the entire time? Uh, not the entire time, but mm-hmm. it was raining a lot. I was there for, I don't know, three days. Okay. Not that long. Not enough. A lot of museums, a lot of history. It's just strange walking through a place and going, huh, that random building is three times older than my entire country. Yeah. When you're looking around, you're like, huh, that's an interesting soot pattern from World War One." <laughs> yes. You know, that, that's just, it's, it's bizarre. So, yeah. I, 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 you can just feel a sense of uh, of history there, mm-hmm. just just walking through. Even though right. London is uh, London specifically is quite a modern city. Yeah, point. totally. Um, you still feel like a modern kind of layer is over this old thing. Hmm. Um, also, one thing, uh, a shout out to the uh, uh, Shakespeare's Globe. Theater mm-hmm. that was fun went there. That's Vegas, shows. right? That's where they have the basketball. <laughs> not, the original, not the original yeah. Globe, by the way. The original mm. one burned down. It did. It did. It's very close to yeah. where the original yes. one was. But um, it's still old. Yeah, I just I think it's it's a very nice place. However, what, what I found funny is even though English is the predominant language spoken because mm. it's England, I would always take like two or three sentences to figure out what the heck anyone was saying. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Because it was just three days. You don't have enough time no. to get ingrained yet. And I tried so hard to not mimic accents. Like that's Oh, it's impossible my, for me. I, my, I'm a social sponge. Like I want so badly to fit in. Right. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I... <laughs> 
I do this mimic thing, and my wife calls me on it all the time. I don't where mean to. I start mimicking people's accents, not even consciously, but all of a sudden she's like, "You're slipping into a southern accent." I'm like, "Sorry, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, I w- darling." I went in the summer of 2017, and for whatever reason, a bunch of people asked me who I voted for. So it was, <laughs> oh, it was kind of okay. awkward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I went there, very similar, Zach. I was enthralled with the, just the how old everything was. Like I kept on wanting to, like, watch. We that. walked to a castle, and I'd want to just touch the wall. Can like, you? Yeah, I mean, some castles, yes, obviously. It's but like the isolated ones out in the No, the no, country, like in, right? in, you're, walking through, you're walking through old stones all the time and you like kind of put your hand on the wall or like I I love touching that. the cobblestone. Like I just wanted to get this tactile sensation. It's lived in. Because, well, because it looks so Hollywood that I have to kind of convince myself it's real. Like, you know, I've seen you so realize you walk through the Harry Potter Museum, right? Oh, I know. So that is Hollywood. And that, I went, I did go to the Harry Potter yeah, Museum yeah. in London, or just outside of London, and it was fantastic. But like Hollywood props and all that, you see all these mm-hmm. fake things. So just being able to touch it, I was like, this is real. And so it was that little extra That's thing. That's so cool. It's just one of those weird things. But I was, I was drinking it all in. I was loving it because it was so much things I'd seen on TV, things I'd seen in movies, mm-hmm. things I've heard about in music. London Bridge, which is not actually, a lot of people get the London Bridge confused with yeah. another bridge. That, but that's sure. Yeah. But I had so much fun there. Went to the, saw shows at the West End. I saw Phantom of the Opera and Her Majesty Theater. Yeah. I absolutely loved my time in London and wanted to go back. I want to go back so much and see more. We did go around to some areas. Like I went and saw Stonehenge from a distance. And, uh, from then, a distance. and then we went to Bath as well. And Bath. So, Bath. It's very beautiful. So we saw kind of the outer area too, but I want to go back and explore more because there's so much to see there. Really? And it is just fascinating. And I, I loved listening to people speak. Sure. It was just fun to be like, that's, that's a real English accent. Really good, really good museums. Uh, I went to the Victoria yeah. and Albert Museum. That's great. So the Imperial War Museum is very interesting. Tower of London is fascinating. Tower of London is fascinating. I also found it interesting. I'd heard that this was the thing, but like I was there on a weekday mm-hmm. and the workday was over. And sure enough, just a bunch of people are standing outside pubs just having a drink. It's just a social thing. Yeah. And they had these little like these long skinny bars, you know, where people just set their drink outside and inside the pub and they were just like you know having having a drink and i was like oh i guess i'll go get a meat pie you know it, I hate it was you guys it was awesome oh it's awesome kent i'm such a poser i have based a large like i'm gonna say 42 percent of my personality off of english things whether it's music tv shows <laughs> from the 2000s uh just their their humor i love everything about it but i've never made the effort to go you, you really should and well I'll, I'll say this though the one thing that was like intimidating mm-hmm. about my whole time there was the driving. Oh, sure. I didn't have to drive. Yeah, I so took, I, I like it. I like driving on the We left. did the tunnel as well. We did, we, did, we did the, yeah, the tube as well. Mm-hmm. And then we did, we did buses. I tried like basically every method of transportation. Well, so because you're on the left and it's busy over there? Well, so that's just it. So my father-in-law did most of the driving. I didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. But uh, they were actually living over there at the time. They lived right around from Abbey Road. It was fantastic. Awesome. We could walk right over there. But when I pictured driving on the left side of the road, I pictured like driving on the freeway, like I-15 on the left side of the road. Oh, it's fine. I'm just on the left. It's just switched. I pictured wide open roads like we have Mm -hmm. here in Utah. It's like these crammed little roads that were not meant to hold cars. Mm -hmm. And you're driving left, but then there's like 20,000 people driving left around you. And then you have to turn it's so backwards and it was so bizarre. Like I, I yeah. in New York, I thought was the most intimidating place to drive. But mm-hmm. now London is my, no. I never because, want to drive there. Yeah, it's not just about being on the left. It's the traffic pattern is just so foreign. And it's also just even looking like when you're looking <laughs> for a car, you look 
yeah. Traditionally, well, we look left, right, and left yeah, again. When you're walking through the city, yeah. Yeah. You, you just cross the road. You do it the wrong way. I think an England visit would require maybe two weeks because London, there's so much to see, right? Yes. But I would yeah. love to tour the countryside. Even the, the, the poor towns, I would just want to walk on the streets there and hopefully feel welcome. But it just feels just so... Beware the moors at night. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I, would, I, I just think it feels like, uh, almost like Ireland. It, it feels haunting, but welcoming at the same time. Yeah. Well, and it's like this hub of like uh, everything around it too. Like mm-hmm. you can get to Scotland and Ireland and Wales, but then just take the tunnel over or the channel right. over to France mm-hmm. and then you go to Spain and, and, and Portugal and they're all just right there, right by each other. And I just think it's an amazing place to go. I really do want to go back. Uh, fortunately, we won't have a flat to stay in this next time we go, but well, it's fine. All right, mate. The what? <laughs> that's what that's how they say. Hi. All right. You sound like Australian. Uh, I, can't, I can't get it out of my system. Yeah. You've got Australian in your blood. But yeah, so we are going to try to encapsulate the pop culture of England, which is a daunting task because England is such a part of American history Mm -hmm. and there's so much back and forth between the two countries that pop culture a lot of times gets kind of mixed together. Yeah. So some of the stuff we appreciate, they also appreciate some of the stuff they appreciate, we appreciate. So we're going to do our best to try to keep this as English as possible in these categories without slipping too far into our accents. <laughs> Fancy a couple. This was a daunting task, gentlemen. Indeed. But I have a stiff upper lip and we're going to do this right. Yes, it was. I put a whole 25 minutes of work into this. <laughs> Let's see if it's evident. So good. All right. How, How British is it? How British is it? How British is it? Bond. That random skit has gotten more attention from this podcast. Nobody knows what it is. No one knows what it is. It's from uh, the podcast Super Ego. It's great. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) All right. Our first category is best chocolate slash candy. Because their chocolate, I don't think candy, but their chocolate is second to maybe Switzerland, right? I mean, oh. is Switzerland the best chocolate out there? Well, they're, they're getting it from like Switzerland and places like that, too, Probably. in France. Like, yeah. Some of it isn't strictly English chocolate. But we talked about this a little bit in the Australian show because a lot of the same manufacturers are just part of the Commonwealth, even Canada. They have better chocolate than we do because wow, it's very... we're doing a lot of Commonwealth episodes. Right? Oh, I mean, that's... We should mix it up a little bit. That's the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds white. So anyways... Uh... <laughs> Joel. Well, I'm going to go out there and say, when we tiered our candy back mm-hmm. in the day, our Halloween candies and, and even Easter candies may have brought, brought up. Sure. I'm not a fan of Whoppers. I don't really like Whoppers that much. I don't, nope. I don't, I don't like the taste. They're of gross. They kind of you know hurt my tongue after a while too. Mm-hmm. But Joel, why are Maltesers so much better Maltesers. than Whoppers? Did why, you put that too? I did. Oh man, they're why, so good. Why are they so much better? Kent, you didn't too, did you? I don't even, I've never tried a Malteser. Okay. So a Malteser is exactly like a Whopper. Gross. Like just chocolate enrobed. Enrobed? Enrobed Enrobed, ladies. Manufactured by Mars Incorporated beginning in 1936. It's a spheroid malted milk center surrounded by milk chocolate or enrobed. They were originally described as energy balls and aimed at slimming women. Yeah. They said because it has Glad less... They, ca- the name. <laughs> they say... They the say, Maltesers? Maltesers. Mm. Uh, they said the milk center is one-seventh as fattening as the ordinary chocolate centers, which is why they said it was better for taste weight good? loss. Oh, it's, it's, it's a Whopper. But the that, chocolate... That, that means nothing to me, Joel. It's less hard well, and than it's a Whopper. better taste. The chocolate is better, and the malt ball in the middle is better. Like, I cool. crave okay. these. If you had them back-to-back, the Malteser is a lot shinier mm-hmm. of a chocolate. And again, you bite into it. I feel like Whoppers are a lot crunchier. Mm-hmm. I think the texture here is a little bit closer to a uh, crispy M&M. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Not, not the flavor, but like it's just a little bit airier. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they were in January, 2017, they started selling these in the United States, which would, would have been awesome. But as of November, 2022, they are no longer sold here. 
Rude. And I don't know why. Dang. But at that English restaurant we went to a while back that had the TARDIS in it. Yes. They had the whole section there, the store in the back where you can buy British candy. Mm-hmm. I grabbed a bag of those on the way out because I was like, I need this. I need this. Were and they was, English? Yes. Okay. And oh. they were tasty. And were they $17? It was a little pricey. Yeah. Where was I? Oh. It was, it was a work thing. Playing songs on my guitar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is what you do? Okay. Yeah. Well, I cheated. I just went Cadbury. Anything Cad- Cadbury. Oh, okay. Cadbury. And I'm going to go down the list. Like, I think that the godfather of the, of the Cadbury world is the dairy milk bar. Mm. It's just basically like picture a caramello here, but there's no caramel. It's just straight chocolate. But you got those like the uh, little yes. plateaus there. Yes. But also, if you want to add caramel, they have dairy milk caramel, which is so smooth and delicious. And I've had a lot of this stuff in Australia, like the Curly Whirly Bar, which yeah, was a, the little DNA helix of chocolate and caramel. Yeah. And then there's a, a candy bar that's similar to Snickers, but it's maybe better. It's called the Star Bar. It's delicious. And just chocolate is so good there. But the other candy, not so much. Smarties there? Not oh, good. No, They're I different. prefer our Smarties. Their their Smarties mm-hmm. are like our sixlets. Yes. And yeah. I don't like that. I've never been a fan. They do chocolate better, but we do sugar better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, America. America. <laughs> sugar. I think we talked about it on the Canada show, but, you know, shout out to Arrow Bars. Yes. Any sort of honeycomb or the oh, aerated honey, chocolate. Honeycomb, honeycomb bars are yeah. really good. Are Arrow Bars English? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think we did that. uh, Joel, that's we where they came from. That's right. And then they colonized Canada. But we, we talked about it on our Canada it show. It had its day on the Canada show, but I think they're originally from England. All right, next we have best English accent slash voice. We'll start with you, Kent. Be prepared. Ooh, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Oh. Bruce Wayne. You, you won't get a sniff <laughs> without me. Is that who tells Bruce? <laughs> yeah, he played Alfred in uh, BVS. Yeah, so he was born in 1948. He actually didn't really act a ton until 1981. And he was in a uh, British series called Brideshead Revisited. And then he just kept going. He got an Oscar for Best Actor in 1990 for a movie called Reversal of Fortune. And his voice is just, it's like devious, but smooth at the same time. Kind of like Cadbury chocolate. Right, yeah, it's kind of like your dating life. <laughs> Devious, Devious and, and smooth. smooth, not quite smooth. <laughs> Flaky, mostly. De- <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't but, he in one of the diehards? Yes, oh, three, in three, which is good. Three, which one of the yeah. good ones? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny you bring that up because uh, there was a linguist. He was studying tones of voice and what inspires most trust in listeners. And it must have been a British research paper, but he said that two actors that have the best cadence, the ideal voice model is Jeremy Irons and Alan Rickman. Oh. Strangely enough. And because they they speak at 200 words per minute and pause for 1.2 seconds between sentences. But did they explain why Mufasa has an American accent and Scar has an English <laughs> accent, but they both live in Africa? Because he's, vil- he's a villain. All right. And uh, it's in Africa. What so. is the connection, by the way, to villains and British voices? Yeah. There, there's that British villain stereotype that goes around a lot in Yeah, no, movies. true story. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the Revolutionary oh, War. Oh, oh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. History. Oh, 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 trying to take over I the mean, world. Hey, England, thanks, but also rude. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. All right, so Jeremy Irons so many English listeners. They sent their criminals to Australia. Yeah, they didn't send them here. They uh, sent the religious people here, and we still fought back. Anyway, Zach, what about you? All right, mine should be obvious. Uh, well, I don't know how obvious it is. I mean, you guys got the reference uh, in my intro, and mine is Sir David Attenborough. Yeah, I. Yes. He, you know, here's the thing. Welcome I don't even think to Jurassic Park. He necessarily has the nicest voice, but he has the best cadence to yes. his voice, and. Like the, the so he he's the narrator. Wait, I was of, doing Richard Attenborough. 
That's Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic, Jurassic, Hammond. Yeah. Jurassic no, I, Park. I, I said that before, but, but yeah. yeah. Will David we ever Edward. know the difference? No. He is a British broadcaster, biologist, a natural historian, and author. Several BBC documentaries. Mm-hmm. I think most notably or mo- most well-known is Planet Earth because yeah, okay. it was one of the first sort of 4K, you know, beautiful shows you could watch on Netflix. So everybody got their new 4K TVs and they started watching Planet Earth or Blue Planet or any one of those shows. And they are all narrated by David Attenborough. And again, he's you know he's, a, he's an older guy. He was born in 1926. And... He, he, again, he doesn't have like this strong, you know, British voice. He doesn't have this super smooth British it's voice. Very much uh, authoritative yet but it, it, soft. Yes. It's like, I, I don't know what it is, but I want to listen to you. It sounds like he's there watching the animals and trying not yes. to disturb them. Yeah. yeah. Like he's but actually narrating. Or, or he's sitting he's right the there footage. behind you on the couch whispering in your ear. And it's and, white noise. You're like, I could fall asleep to and, this. And it's not, um, it's not even like cheesy. Like, you know, people, sure. people go crocodile hunter on it. Like, oh, look at the natural, you know, crocodile and its habitat, you know, the, the it's it's just sort of this like reverent but kind of interested and curious sort of yes. voice, and I just love listening to it. Uh, he makes those shows so much better to me. You know, a lot, I, I like watching nature documentaries, and sometimes the narrator makes or breaks it, and he makes every single one. He's so good. Love mm. Sir David Attenborough. Joel, what about you? I actually brought some clips. Oh, heaven! And so I'd like you guys just to sit back and listen to this story being read to you. Not for the first time, an argument had broken out over breakfast at Number Four Privet oh, it's Drive. Fry. No, Mr. Vernon Dursley had been woken in the early hours of the morning by a loud hooting noise from his nephew Harry's room. Now, this is a personal preference for me on a number whooshed, of reasons. Wished back to this many, is, many a year ago. Yes, this is uh, Jim Dale. He read the entire Harry Potter book series, which I listened to on CD back in the day mm-hmm. as we were driving. And it was one of those where I just he does all the voices there and he does a fantastic job. In fact... He voiced 134 characters for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, followed by 146 voices for the Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows in 2007, which was a world record at the time. And it's all convincing? He doesn't forget? No, he, he keeps them all straight, but some of them definitely are kind of like, ooh, that's, that's, uh, that's choice. a choice. Okay. Uh, is, is Voldemort's how, how is this Luna Lovegood? But, uh, not bad. It's okay. kind of dreamlike Spacey, and ethereal. Harry, okay. yeah. But uh, his record was broken uh, by another man in 2004 who recorded Game of Thrones because there's uh, yeah. many, many, many characters in that. Cheaters. But also this is another personal preference for me because he's the narrator for Pushing Daisies. Yeah. Oh, and yes, so yes. every time I hear him speak, I just want to hear him say, the facts were these. Because it makes me so happy. And he's such a warm narrator on Pushing Daisy. You just love him. He was a pop singer back in the 50s. Jim Dale was. And uh, he wrote songs for other groups as well. He's known as an actor. And then some of you listener out there may know him as the evil doctor in Pete's Dragon. Every little piece. He's Dr. Yeah. Money, money, money (laughs) all the time. But he is Dr. Terminus. He is that villainous doctor uh, snake oil salesman Mm -hmm. that that is trying to. It's funny. It's not the smoothest voice, but it has a charm to it. It is. And it's that warm and charm, the way he narrates. And there's these fluctuations in his voice that I just appreciate so much. Mm -hmm. Stephen Fry, by the way, I was listening to a comparison between the two. And I, I I get why people like Stephen Fry as a narrator too because he's got a fantastic voice also. He does he does well, but it's whatever version you started with is the one you like more. Yeah. But you're not you're not wrong either way. Yeah. There are a couple of subtle differences because Jim Dale is reading the the British version. Yeah. It's, no, you philosoph- know, it's philosopher the philosopher Stone. Stone. Yes. yes. And there's a few things here and there that are minor differences. Both are good, but I do find Jim Dale better. I do, I do enjoy him a great deal. I, I'd like to also give it an honorable mention because she almost made it to Dame Helen Mirren. Something about uh, the way she yeah, speaks absolutely. is just like 
it's that school mistress thing where you're like, I will pay attention to you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. And it's not even like a stern voice. It's just that, oh, I don't want to No, I around. feel like I'm in trouble all the time and I don't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever Helen Mills <laughs> appeared speaks. Absolutely. You felt really guilty during like Red. Yeah. It, Red it, retired definitely. after Extreme Jesus. <laughs> we just give honorable mentions or thing? Dame Judi Dench. Ooh. Dame Judi Dench is great. Mm, okay. Oh, come on. Okay. Come along, Bond. That's what I was going to say. It's it's That's his M. Now we have the best film set in modern England. It's so like not old-timey England. Yes. Yeah, so like what you kind of picture England to be. Although you guys have been there, so whatever. Yeah, fine. it's fine. Hey, modern, modern England, like not Robin Hood times and not yeah. Victorian times. There, tons of movies yeah, set during that time. so many. But there's a right answer here. Because there's no film finer than Paddington 2. <laughs> yes. Honorable <laughs> mention, the, Paddington 2. Not even Paddington 1. You're going I'm actually, I, Paddington I, really, two. I put Paddington and Paddington 2. Okay. Paddington 2 Paddington is slightly better. It's slightly better, but it's, it's close, right? Paddington, a young Peruvian bear, travels to London in search of a home. Finding himself lost and alone at Paddington Station, he meets the kindly Brown family who offer him a temporary haven. I hate that you're including this because we have not been very kind to CG animal movies, right? But, but why does this work? Paddington. Paddington is so it, Everyone at this so table well. loves Paddington. We love it. We've it's so mentioned good. that before. Like the first Paddington is so good and it's so charming. However, uh, it is the plot of Elf, uh, which bugs me a little bit. Sure. Paddington 2 is like, hey, you know that cute bear that you like so much? Like, what if you went to jail, though? <laughs> and it, why does it work so well? It's so good. And it has the most beautiful and creative sort of visual sequences. It's almost like it's yeah. an action scene, but it's just playing out in whether, it, you know, it's like, it looks like papercraft or it's, you know, they're, they're creating um, when they create the sort of tea room at the prison. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the, the visuals are so creative. The color in, scheme in as well. Too. Yeah. I really enjoy the color scheme on that. And yes, you do get to see a lot of uh, England and, and London in and, that movie. It's quite enjoyable. And speaking of good voices, Ben Wishaw as Paddington yeah. is oh, remarkably charming. He's yeah. so good. And, uh, we, do British people just need a whisper in order to be conceived as good guys? Yes. Right. They whisper when they're good guys. Yeah, Jeremy Irons just yeah. raises his voice. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Gross. There's also a Paddington series that Ben Wishaw does the voice for as well. Really? Uh, it's it's, it's uh, animated. Um, Who would have thunk that Paddington would have been good? Right? Yeah. It's so boring as a concept. I didn't really I've seen the, books the as a old, kid. Uh, like the 80s yeah. Paddington show. It's horrible. Fine. It's it's whatever. So boring. But the, the new one is good, but these movies are amazing. They're both so good. <laughs> Paddington 2. Like, the best film set in is, modern England is Paddington, is Paddington 2. 2. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, it's the right answer. But you that can have other answer. ones. It's fine. I, I, and I do have another one. But, what do you have? And I, I feel bad because like there's movies that I talk about a lot. Which, are you not including them? Because I'm not either. I'm not. I, I could have picked Shaun of the Dead sure. very easily because... I, I figured he would. But Hot Fuzz was kind of my honorary winner. But, but it feels like, like old town. England because it's small town. Yeah, small town. And Shaun of the Dead was more because... I, I loved how it showed just the Britishisms of a zombie invasion, mm-hmm. but it pretty is localized in that area. Yeah. I went a little broader, but I did choose a, a show I've talked about before, and I'm choosing Love Actually. Oh. I thought you might. Because Love Actually, uh, if you don't know it, set in 2003, directed by Richard Curtis, uh, follows, the, follows the lives of eight very different couples in dealing with their love lives in various loosely interrelated tales, all set during a frantic month before Christmas in London, England. And so, and this has Hugh Grant and Liam Neeson and, and Laura Linney and Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman and Kara Knightley. Everybody. Everyone. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. Joe Adele Ejiofor. Yeah. Bill Lincoln. Yeah. There's so many in there. And, but you get to see so many different walks of life in mm. England during this. You get to see 10 Downing Street, which is their White House. Uh, you get to see the dodgy end of Wandsworth. You get to see the Heathrow Airport, Notting Hill, schools and shops and streets. Like it's just all over England. It has a very English feel to it. 
which is one of the reasons I picked it because it felt very British to me or yeah. English to me, but also because it's just a fantastic movie. It's so good. It's really good. Watch it edited, but it's really good. <laughs> you, you'd miss an entire plot, but it's still okay. Uh, there are two entire storylines cut out in the two. two. Yeah, two, two entire storylines in the version that I have. Oh, I thought of the second one. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, but yeah, it's a fantastic, lovely movie, and it really does feel to me very, very English. And I think it's one of the best movies set in modern. Even though it is sappy to some people, I find it sweet. That's cute that it's so charming. But let me ask you this: You like dags? You like dags? <laughs> It's for, me, it's for me, ma. Perry blue. Perry blue. <laughs> Unscrupulous boxing promoters, violent bookmakers, a Russian gangster, incompetent amateur robbers, and supposedly Jewish jewelers fight to track down a princess stolen diamond. Very long description for Guy Ritchie's Snatch, released Snatch. in 2000. Yes. Brad Pitt on the cover with a dog. Yeah. Dag. It is, and granted, I've never been, but when I think of England, I think that it's kind of grimy. I think that whether it's like the, the pub scene or just like the... Uh, the businesses, the retail shops or whatever. I feel like I love the town, the townhouse feel of what you described, Zach. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the charming element or just everything you see in love, actually. But I feel like Snatch captures so much of what people try to ignore about London. And then you only capture about 15% of what they're saying. <laughs> Truly. Very they, heavy accents in that, that one. In, yeah, the South London accent. In hands down, Jason Statham's best acting role ever. Yeah. He is actually really quite good in this movie. And yeah, I like the, him as handsome Rob, but you may be right. Yeah, this was um no okay, uh, but what? this was filmed. He doesn't in, like Italian job. I don't like Italian I like job. S- I like Seth Green doing an impression of handsome Rob. Oh anyway, handsome yeah. Rob. So this was filmed in London and Buckinghamshire. Buckinghamshire is it sure Shire? Sure, the Shire. Sure. Buckinghamshire. Worcestershire. Oh, that's how. Okay, Worcestershire. Paddington Two, which is great. Shire. Snatch for me is what I think of, and granted, Hot Fuzz was my number one pick, but we talk about it so much that Snatch was my choice. It's a great choice. Yeah. I also like other like lesser Guy Ritchie movies that give that same feel. Gentlemen, for example. Gentlemen, yeah. It came out more recently. Oh, Lockstock would be his first one yeah. that kind of gained notoriety That's for that area. Yeah. Also, shout out to uh, the first Kingsman movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. All good choices, gentlemen. Bravo all around. Cheerio. Now we have, uh, this, is, this is a little bit out there. Over-the-counter drug. The cra- <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Tums flavor? <laughs> no, this is your craziest monarch story. Because, you know, in the history of England, there's a lot of stories that you kind of go, wait, what? Well, I think we still say that. I think we go, they have a royal family? What do they do? Yeah. But gra- back in the day, kings and queens, they had a lot of power. A lot of power. A big impact. Yeah. I'm going to present mine as a poem. If you will. Okay. Divorced, beheaded, died. Ah. Divorced, beheaded, survived. Mm -hmm. Because Ah. that is how you remember the six wives of Henry VIII. He is. Yep. He's Henry VIII. He is. I, I... I was going, because Henry VIII has always been a fascinating character. We actually did go to Hampton Court while we were there, which is one of the places he stayed, Mm -hmm. and got to, like, see what he was living amongst and all that. And there was one point when they actually pulled us aside. Some actors pulled us aside, took us into a secret room, and they had an actor playing Henry the, Henry VIII, and he was treating us as if we were his advisors and talking about stuff. Did he cut off anyone's head? No, he was, he was in full character, but sure. he, was, he was kind of like, you know, just it was a whole thing. It was a presentation, but it was just fun to be part of that, like, randomly. It wasn't like we signed up for it. Mm-hmm. We're just standing there, all of a sudden, the people in costumes like, come with us. The, the king would like to speak with you. And we're like, okay. Yeah. But he was asking what he should do about Catherine of Aragon. So we have Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, and, Ka- and Catherine Parr. The whole story of Henry VIII 
which he he started off as this kind of very popular, mm-hmm. very able king. And then as he grew older, and actually some people say a jousting accident may have caused a cerebral hemorrhage, which right. caused his behavior to change, he kind of just kind of went off the rails. Mm-hmm. And so because he wanted to divorce Catherine of Aragon, his current wife, the church wouldn't allow it. The impact was so huge. He, he wanted to marry her handmaiden, Anne Boleyn, but he could, they wouldn't allow it. And so it ended up kind of pulling the Church of England away from Roman Catholicism and starting kind of its own branch. Yep. And then Anne Boleyn was beheaded because of adultery and treason. Jane Seymour died after giving birth to a son. Anne of Cleves, they divorced after six months. And then Catherine Howard was charged with treason against the king as well. Like he just kept going there, through this. There was a bit of a curse that followed him in yes. a way because he wanted a male heir so badly. So badly. And if if you get a chance, I highly recommend watching Oversimplified as a YouTube channel. Huh. Um, fairly family friendly. Um, but it's oversimplified the story of Henry VIII. On the other end, the Tudors, which is not family friendly. It does a very good dramatized version of it, yes. of, of events, you know, definitely fictional in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it, it kind of goes more into his wives and what they had to deal with and stuff. So yeah. it's very cool. Yeah. And, but the, uh, and this is kind of an cap- Henry Gavel. Yeah, yeah this is kind of an overarching. Henry VIII just fascinates me. Yeah. And all these stories I hear about him are crazy. But the oversimplified, I think it's like 20 minutes. It's cool. a cartoon. It's pretty humorous as well. But mm-hmm. if you want to know more about Henry VIII, watch that video and you'll just do the same thing I did the whole time and go, what? Yeah. So Henry VIII, he is. I thought uh, the story of two brothers was very interesting. It's the story of John and Richard. And John, Robin Hood's John. Yeah. And then we have Richard, Richard Lionheart. Yeah. So they were brothers. And you had Richard, who was king for six months. But the people loved him. They loved him. And he's like, I'm going off to war. I'm going to go fight in the Crusades. I'm going to do my thing. John is like, I'll take over. And John is actually named Bad King John. Like, what a horrible, like your brother is Lionheart. Yeah. And then your nickname is Bad King John. I bet he could be the grasshopper, though. <laughs> he, he didn't, actually. He could have. That's actually how he died. No. Nope. Actually, it was dysentery. That's not fact. Uh, <laughs> it could be. But John was actually, I mean, he was really unpopular because he raised taxes. But a lot of those taxes went to the battles that Richard was fighting. Uh, Richard was actually held captive in Austria in 1192. And John, over in England, tried to negotiate an extension on the imprisonment. He's like, oh, you want us to pay you money to release him? I'll pay you more to keep him. It's messed up, Isn't man. that crazy? And then John was being elsewhere <laughs> quite a bit, if you remember us talking about that. He was really unpopular that way. And then he disregarded the Pope's nomination for, it, for the archbishop and was excommunicated in 1209. He also lost a ton of land in Western France. And uh, so much that like the people kind of had to bring the Magna Carta to it, this in 1215, mm-hmm. almost against his wishes. Meanwhile, you have Richard, who was just this brave ruler, but just needed to be elsewhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Not elsewhere that way, but needed to be <laughs> across other countries and fighting in the Crusades. And I actually reached out to Kyler, because Kyler knows a lot about history. I'm like, tell me about crazy stuff in England's history. And his death was actually really tragic, even oh. though he was like a warrior and a skilled strategist. He was coming back from the First Crusade. And he saw this French castle and he's like, oh, there's lots of treasure there. It's pretty small. Let's go lay siege. And so he does. And they're creaming him. He's like, okay, we about broke the walls. And he goes out there. He has a crossbow, kind of like the, the ruling king, the traveling king. I did hear about You've this. heard about this? Yeah. And he goes out there and he's like, he's, he's shooting some bows and he's like, we're going to beat you anyways. Either surrender right now or put up a good show. All of a sudden, some errant crossbow shoots from a kid. Yeah. Uh, shoots him like right in the shoulder, kind of hits his neck and his shoulder. And he's like, oh, that was rude. And he goes to a surgeon. And he's like, hey, can you take this out? Like, not a big deal. And the guy's like, yeah, fine. Just take it easy for a couple of days. He does. And then a couple of days later, the doctor says, uh, you have gangrene. And King Richard's like, oh, well, I'm going to die. Okay, well, let's make things right. He summons the kid that shot him. 
And he says, look, good shot. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, basically pardons him and then says to his lords and generals, do not kill him. He was just doing his job. Like, sure, I'm going to die of this, but it's okay. And then King Richard died from gangrene. And then they killed this kid immediately after. Oh, good heavens. In a horrible way. Oh, good heavens. Freaking history. Anyways, I thought the story of John and Richard, just because John was so power hungry, and we kind of know a little bit from like Robin Hood, all the stories, or Prince of Thieves, or whatever. Doesn't John deserve some respect, though, for being the first cartoon lion to rule England? (laughs) (laughs) Mummy. Mummy. Zach, what do you have? Mine is less of a story of life and more of a story of death. You guys remember George III? Nope. King was he George, the third George? He was the third one. Uh, you know, he, he was the king from like, you know, 1760 to 1820. Nothing super prominent happened uh, during that time. America. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was King George You'd from... say? He was, yeah, King George from Hamilton. Yes. Uh, that was George III. Well, uh, his paternal grandfather was King George II. And again, the, the, more of a story of death here. He was one of the longer living kings at uh, 77. Oh, wow. In the yeah. 1700s was like, yeah. wow, you made it past... 60s were kind of like the high point. You made it past 35. Like, right. Holy cow, you're awesome. <laughs> However, um, he did die at 77 years old. His his wife had had died years earlier. This is the weird thing that I found as I was looking through some like fun facts. George II died at Kensington Palace on the 25th of October, because, you know, the, the number goes first and then the month. Oh, yeah, weird. The day, month. Uh, 20, 25th October, 1760. He was buried in the vault he had newly constructed for Caroline, his wife's burial, under the central aisle of the Lady Chapel on 11th of November. He was, he was buried like two weeks later. By his wish, his wife was buried in a very special coffin that allowed for the side to be removed. Because what he wanted, so she's like, she she dies, she's buried. And he says, when I die, I want to be buried right next to her. And I want you to take the walls out. So, oh, so their dust could mingle after death. How romantic. He wants to cuddle forever. Mm. Is, that's kind of creepy. Dust now. spooning? Dust spoon? I don't hate it. Death, <laughs> skeleton death dust spoon. That. That's it. It's just it. really weird. That's romantic. Is it though? Nope. No. I got to make a note to my wife. One second. Yes. <laughs> Remove the walls. We're going to snuggle forever. <laughs> we talked about real folks. Now let's talk about your favorite fictional English character. Mine again is Jeremy Irons. <laughs> that was Liam Neeson. Yeah. As Jeremy He's Irons. Uh, it is Alfred Pennyworth is uh, my favorite British English fictional character. Is Jeremy Irons your favorite Alfred? No. It's well, look. Honestly, I'm a Batman the Animated Series fan. So okay, Ephraim, yeah, yeah. Symbolist Jr. kind of captures that. Michael Goff. Go. Gow. Gow. Michael Goff Go. is a face, but truly the heart vote is Michael Caine. Michael, I think Michael, I think Michael Caine really captures that legal guardian side of He's got that paternal nature to yes. him that you just really appreciate. To the point where he gets, uh, it's not just a comic foil or not just reproving Bruce. It is actually like a, a fatherly figure. Mm-hmm. It is being disappointed or excited or worried. And I think Alfred's great. And look, it's not as iconic as maybe some choices that I'm hoping you guys pick because there's a lot of great choices. Sure. But I think based on how many different mediums that this story has gone through and the character has gone through, like we have comics, serialized adventures, live action TV, animated TV and movies, some of the best comic films of all time, and video games. And Alfred is always there Mm -hmm. in a Batman story. It would be weird if Alfred wasn't there. And it's a butler. It should be strange, but the character is crossed over in so many ways. Yeah, he needs to be there. Honestly, even good in Gotham. I'm calling it right now. Mm. 
I don't, yeah. know, I don't know about that. But he first appeared in Batman 16 in 1943. Just classic. Zach, what do you have? Mine, for, for those who know me closely, it is very obvious. And it's Winnie the Pooh. Because I love <laughs> Winnie the Pooh so dang much. Yeah, this is a bear theme. I, it's not Winnie the Pooh at all. Stop it right now. It's Winnie the Pooh. No, it's not. 100%. Well, who else would it be? He loves Winnie the Pooh. I do. I, I will tell you who else it would be. There's no, nothing wrong with nope. Winnie the Pooh. It's Winnie the Pooh. Author, oh, bother. Author A.A. Milne. Because you don't like wearing pants. Wrote those books. I don't like pants. <laughs> uh, in the books, he doesn't wear anything because he's a bear. Yeah. Disney gave him the red shirt. First appeared uh, in uh, the London Evening News for Christmas Eve in 1925. There was the book Winnie the Pooh in 1926, followed up by The House at Pooh Corner in 1928. So these are, these are you know, 100 years back old. Back to work. Pooh Corner by Kenny Loggins. <laughs> so good. There we go. Um, you know, it's old enough now that it's it's gone into public domain, and the first thing that everybody does with it is make it awful. And it's horrible. The scary movie is horrible. Oh, Did you I'm see sure. it? Yeah, I saw it. Mm. No, it's terrible. Blood and honey. Uh, Winnie the Pooh is one of the most charming things on earth. I've loved it for a long time. I do like the Disney version, but I love the A.A. Milne stories. I wouldn't say I'm stirred, but I'm quite shaken. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, well, well there's... I'm sensing a bear theme with Zach. I like, <laughs> I like British bears. <laughs> oh, but Paddington is from Peru. So. He's proven, but he's living in London. Deepest Peru. His accent isn't Peruvian. Yes, I don't know why. Oh, well, because uh, they were taught English by the English explorer. Ah, that's yes. right. That's right. That's right. See? <laughs> bears aren't even native to England. Yeah. So? How do they have fine? so many famous bears? There was bears. a bear at the zoo. Named Winnie the Pooh. They named the bear after the, <laughs> zoo, the zoo bear. No, yeah. I just, I, uh, I was in a um, production of Winnie the Pooh in 2016. I got to play Winnie the Pooh at a children's theater. And it was just one of the most magical experiences. Did you wear pants? I did <laughs> it's wear pants. It's a children's theater. I, I wore pants. It was not Disney-based. Okay. <laughs> but it, it was it was one of those things that I, like I'd watched uh, the, the Disney cartoons growing up. I'd, I'd read some of the stories. And then it, like anything when you're a child, like you eventually put it in a box and you mm -hmm. don't know that it's the last time. It goes away. Yeah. And in, in getting this opportunity to play this character, which I, uh, when I auditioned, I was like, be cool to be like owl or rabbit. And they're like, you're Winnie the Pooh. I'm like, I don't want that, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to sort of rediscover the story and sort of a love for it. And I, uh, we've kind of themed my, my, baby's uh, you know room with winnie the pooh he's got a couple Cute. of blankets that he loves uh with it and you know i'll sing him the the disney song the the sherman brothers song at night and it's it is just so so magical so fun and it will always be my favorite children's story winnie the pooh good Ooh. choice <laughs> my turn yeah there we go uh, point of order what he's scottish it, he's the, Scottish. The that's books why. Are Scottish. That's why I didn't pick the him. The books are Scottish. No, the character is Scottish. The, Ian Fleming retconned it after the first movie. Retconned meaning it's changed. No, the, he changed it. He was born. No, he's British. Born in England. He was born in Scotland. He's on Her Majesty's. Don't Secret be Service. jealous because you didn't pick what you should have chosen. I, I literally have it right here. Fleming wrote on Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service while Doctor No was being filmed in Jamaica, and it was influenced Zach. by the casting of Scottish actor Sean Connery to Zach. give Bond Scottish ancestry. Zach. He's Scottish. If you think that we don't know he's Scottish, please reference Bacon's Hill episode 18, Spy vs. Spy vs. Spy. Our first Bacon bit review of Spectre. Uh, Bacon's Hill episode 32, Bed, Bond, and Beyond. Bacon's Hill episodes 165, 167, where we talk about him during Tournament of Action movie years. Bacon bit, No Time to Die review. Bacon's Hill episode 329, Bonding with James' Early Missions. The Bacon bit for yours only about James Bond music. Uh, Bacon's Hill episode 330, Bonding with James' The Modern Missions. I, I was part of half of those. Yes. How many episodes have we done about Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> I just feel 
Like, it's a thing where, yes, there is that technicality of, yes, he is technically Scottish. I was going to save it for the Scottish show. But he is the iconic British super spy. Yeah. And English right. to the core. How many, how many um, Englishmen have played him? Do you know? Uh, Pierce Brosnan is Irish. Mm-hmm. Rodney, Roger Moore is British. Mm-hmm. Lazenby is Australian. Australian. Mm-hmm. Sean Craig, Connery is Scottish. Scottish. Craig English? Craig is English. Okay. Okay, so we're split and down. And Timothy there. Dalton, I believe, is Welsh. Yeah, he's just a bad actor. But that's not the point. <gasps> Stop it! Oh. Save it for our James Bond show. No. Wow. Anyway. So, the no. two, so two of the whatever, whatever the total is. Yes. Six. But no, that's the thing is like, I remember, and the reason I brought this one up is because this actually has a very special connection to me. I did talk about it before in those other episodes that we talked about James Bond. But I remember as a kid mm-hmm. being sad when I learned that James Bond was not an American hero. <laughs> he was not an American icon. There was Jimmy Bond at one point. There was, but he was a British icon. When he jumps off the mountain and the giant uh, Union Jack flies out above him in a parachute, that is so much what that what that character is. Yeah, he's become this staple of just this suave Britishman. And even though technically he may not be Scottish, he will always be English. He's, he's, he's English. It's fine. Yeah, it's I, think, I think people in England claim James Bond as a character more he's than a people in Scotland even have him. Of MI6. Again, yes. it was a ret- They've it adopted was, him to the House of Tudor. It was yes. a retcon because Ian Fleming liked Sean Connery so much. Yeah, so he, we all. He made, the, he made the character technically born in Scotland. Right on the border. It was like right on the border of Scotland. But and England, yes, I'll, yes, I'll give it to you. It's fine. Yeah, thank you. I, I actually hoped you'd pick it because uh, I want... Obviously, that's my choice, but it can't be. No Sherlock, huh? Okay, crazy. Here we go. I do like Sherlock a great deal, too. Meh. <laughs> All right, now we're going to do... This is kind of a funny one. The, the greatest English band uh-huh. that isn't the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Queen, or Muse. <laughs> wow, we put a lot of qualifiers on that one. <laughs> But it feels like we Are need to. Are there any left? It feels like we need to, though, because if we say greatest English rock band, that's going to be the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Queen, or Muse. And I put Muse on there specifically for you two, because if I didn't include that on there, we would have. I talked about Muse. them like two weeks ago. So thank you. You yeah. would have, though. So, Zach, you start us off. So I didn't know what's left. I don't like The Clash. So uh, it's Radiohead. That's all you got to say? That's all I got to say. We talked about it so much Super on the Super influential. Yes, just because... Like, you think of, like, a 90s alternative bands, because the 80s have so many... Joel, I hope you picked an 80s band. I think I know what you picked. Um, I think I know. You think but you know? their 90s bands were kind of come and go. There, yeah. There's your Oasis. There's your, your Bush. And right. they're both great in their own way. But Radiohead has had last right. ability. They have formed in 1985. You guys realize that England was was founded before 1980, right? What, I mean, what? No, excuse me. There's so. bands previous to that. No. Uh, then you know they released uh, their albums in the early 90s. What 91, 93? Um, really, I, I've just I've kind of been getting into Radiohead lately. I think I'm finally pretentious enough to start enjoying <laughs> the music. Yeah. And uh, kind of uh, honestly uh, spurred by our recent show with Briggs. As far as interesting um, and influential bands with uh, sort of a, a unique place in music history, I mean, th- the effect of Radiohead cannot be denied as much as you might want to. I, mean, I know a lot of people don't like the mm-hmm. band, but... Yeah. yeah. I think they're kind of creeps. They are kind of weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing here. What did you pick, Joel? Kent, what do you think? I, I'm now intrigued. You said, I think I know what you picked. What do you think I picked? S-H-O-P-P-I-N-G. We're shopping. Pet Shop Boys. No. Is it Joy Division? You didn't pick Pet Shop Boys? This isn't personal favorite. This is greatest English band. Okay. 
Oh, this Genesis. is your personal favorite for sure. Genesis. <laughs> Miller being the beginning gave us Phil Collins, gave us Peter Gabriel. <laughs> this is the the a long existing and commercially successful band, and primarily consisting of uh, Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, and Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Gabriel was in there before. He he was he left earlier on. They've sold between 100 million and 150 million albums. They are one of the world's best-selling musical artists. They have won numerous awards. And they've inspired many, many bands that came after them. They were inducted to the Hall of Fame. Are they the avatar of the music world? What does that mean? Like the people most popular about band them? that nobody knows about? <laughs> no, everyone knows them. Like you hear the songs, you're like, oh, Invisible Do Touch. They? That's all. Invisible They'll never Touch, talk about it. Throwing it all away into deep land of confusion. Tonight, tonight, tonight. No son of mine. I can't dance. I these are songs I know, know by sight. A single song you just said, but, but if, if you, you played them. It, Sure. If you heard it, you'd be like, oh, adult contemporary. Just like if I was watching Avatar, I'd be like, oh, the blue people. They were like, well, and so that's the weird thing. Well, not the weird thing. The interesting thing about Genesis. I honestly think we could do an entire show about Genesis. I know you want to. Stop it. I <laughs> want to. No. But they were originally this prog rock band back in the mm-hmm. 70s yeah. and kind of very experimental. And then as uh, they shifted in who was in the band and who left and who came in, and as Phil Collins took the role from drummer to, to lead singer and drummer, it became more of an adult contemporary kind of rock band. And I just think that Genesis has this amazing presence that people don't really realize how big it is. And also, I think people a lot of times confuse what is solo work versus what is Genesis. True. Yeah. That happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think Genesis is a fantastic band. One of my favorite bands. And I will. They're a good band and them. they're quite fun. But can I absolutely know? Like, that was one of the ones on there was obviously. The Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys. Mine is uh, this Bowie to Bowie. Bowie. David Bowie. Born 1947, died 2016, sadly. Regarded as one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century. You didn't pick Erasure? Because I talked about Erasure like a couple weeks ago. I hate how we have to keep discounting these because we just talked about them. It's not that we've retired these people. I just don't want to overdo it. I get it. Yeah, But I thought you were doing the Pet Shop Boys layup so you could do the Erasure slam dunk. I know. Wait. (laughs) Is it like a Stockton to Malone? Exactly. Pet Shop Boys passing the Erasure? Pet Shop Boys, listen to Erasure. You're happy. So, but David Bowie is kind of not a favorite, but it is a greatest. He's born in Brixton, London. He started playing shows at age 15, told his parents at 16 that he's going to be a pop star. And he was. He changed not just British music, but music altogether. The varying styles he went through, I think it allowed people to kind of get used to an artist evolving. And he totally did. He has 26 studio albums, 28 Hot 100 songs here in the U.S. with two of them hitting number one. And just to kind of go through the songs, there's Fame, Let's Dance, Changes, which a lot of people know from Shrek. And oh, sure. Appeal to Zach. Yeah. Under Pressure, Space Oddity, and Starman. The older I get, the more I like David Bowie. I didn't like him growing up anywhere before 30. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I think I like David Bowie a lot. Fun fact. He refused knighthood. <gasps> they tried to give him knighthood what? Uh, for his contributions to you know music and, and presence of British culture. He refused it. Rude. Yeah. But also kind of cool and like full of anarchy. I really like the Bowie hits. Um, when he passed away in 2016, I was like, like many people, I'm like, I'm going to listen to Bowie. Yeah. Did you listen to Ziggy Stardust though? A lot of experimental Ooh, stuff. A lot there. of weird stuff. The hits are There great. are some incredible albums that you should give a chance. Like, yeah, 26 albums. There's going to be some duds. All right. But some great ones. I went with, I, honestly, I went with a weird choice in Radiohead because I thought that one of you would pick the police. Come on. What's going on? That was actually, I was actually banking English on the same I, thing. I, I always I thought Genesis. he was Irish. I thought Sting was Irish. I don't even like Sting, independent of the police. No, I the actually, police are, are, uh, I absolutely love the police, and I am a little bummed because I thought one of you guys were going to pick the police. Oh, no. Which is why I went with Genesis, because I was like, that's more me. It is. Well, yeah. it's, we also collectively pick the police. Okay? Audible mention <laughs> to the police. Boom. Now let's talk about your hipster English show. 
Joel, I got another clip for this one. Wow. Can you name this tune? Oh, yes. What is it, Zach? It's the IT show. No, it it's IT, IT crowd. crowd. Sorry. Yes, it's the IT crowd. This is one of those comedies that I want more people to know about. Yeah. Uh, this is set in the offices of the fictional Renum Industries in London. The series revolves around three unique staff members of its IT information technology department. So you got Chris O'Dowd uh, playing Roy, who he's Irish. Richard, I never say his last name right. Iodade. He plays Moss. <laughs> and then you have Catherine Parkinson, who plays Jen. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, on in 2006 and ran for four seasons of six episodes. Which is a lot for British TV. But yeah. it's 20 four episodes this is uh this is such a short little series this is like a cheeky british big bang theory and better way better yeah well because the thing is i think it is absolutely hilarious i will constantly quote the show for no apparent reason and it's actually relatively clean there's Mm -hmm. one or two there's there's a couple f F words and they're they're kind of relegated to two episodes where they're they appear but that's it and it's other than that it's pretty sitcom friendly but it is so, so funny. And I laugh every time I watch it. I've watched it multiple times and I, I'm not tired of it. They do a sketch of piracy, uh, that, that warning that <laughs> yes. comes before DVDs about yeah. uh, pirating DVDs. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. One of the things I memorized was the new number for 911. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, We're they, not going to do it, but oh, we know I'm doing it. it. We're doing it. 0118 <laughs> that is that literally a moment. That is one of those things. <laughs> that was that actually really nice too. <laughs> I'm glad you know it too. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really awesome. good. Zach, I feel like we just developed a kinship right now. Yeah, so <laughs> that's one of those geeky yeah, things that really when is. I see that number it's pop great. up, I'm like, ha! Ah. Yeah, it's it's a very funny show. The way that the uh, the football episode where oh, they go yeah. see, yes. see a uh, soccer game. You it's, see that ludicrous display yeah, last night? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> This show, they actually did try to make it an American version that starred Joel McHale. Um, Joel McHale, which is that guy. And, and the same guy. Moss mm-hmm. came back for it. And then uh, Jessica St. Clair's Jen. Only the pilot was filmed and it wasn't ever aired, although it was leaked online. So you can find it and watch it. It's not that great. It's, it's not, not great. Yeah. But yeah, the IT crowd. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Honorable mention that Mitchell and Webb look. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a sketch show by two comedians, two radio hosts back there. And if you've ever seen the meme that's uh, Are We the Baddies? Yes. That's where that's from. But the, the but the choice I went with is called Inside Number Nine. This is a show that's still going. Does this have a giant balloon that chases people and makes a <laughs> noise? That's the prisoner. Oh. And I love that show. But Inside Number Nine is, okay, think of Black Mirror, right? Yeah. You're kind of getting a grimy feeling right now about yeah, technology and also declining quality as the years have gone on. Okay. Inside Number Nine is Black Mirror, but it doesn't have to lean on technology. It's just telling short stories. This is an anthology show mm-hmm. where every episode is different. It's 30-minute episodes, and it's written by two guys that used to be on the League of Gentlemen back in the day. And were they extraordinary gentlemen? They were not extraordinary. They were just gentlemen. Okay. They, were, they were just okay. Yes, there's some misses here, but each story has a twist and a cruel irony about it. And a lot of Joel, it is TVMA. Like okay. there are some episodes that if you could watch streaming, which would be kind of hard to find because this is only on BritBox currently. BritBox? Yeah, BritBox, which is like a subscription through Amazon. Huh. Yeah, BritBox is their Netflix or trying to be anyways. But there are some episodes here that are absolutely stunning. And it's short stories. Some of them are short, scary stories too. Mm-hmm. But there's I like short, scary stories. Yeah, it, it's dark and twisted, but always a little bit playful. If anyone's seen it, please let me know. But it's a show I've only seen three seasons of, and there's eight. There's only it's British TV. There's only forty eight episodes altogether in eight seasons. Huh. So it's like just six episode seasons. 
uh, but I totally recommend it. And not many people know about it. I've never heard of it's it. It's the better Black Mirror. Zach, what do you got? Hipster choices, right? Yeah. Yes. So Black Mirror. Um, <laughs> now, sure. No, I struggled with hipster choices because I don't, you know, the, the show I picked is not necessarily what I deem to be a hipster choice. I just think that a lot of people don't know about it. Kind of like the IT crowd. Yeah. Um, so, Pop- popular, especially over there, but hasn't really come over here. I want Kent to roll his eyes, so I am just going to throw an honorable mention out to Fleabag. I actually like that show. I've never seen it. That's uh, fine. It's just because I didn't like Indiana Jones doesn't mean the, I hate the Fleabag. The Phoebe Waller bridge of it is very strong. Sure, but I do, I do like. I that like show. that's a term. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's you know she, she kind of bugs me now, but I do like Fleabag. Sure. So shout out to Fleabag. However, um, my show is involving a bear. Um, <laughs> no, it is no, not. My show is not my. Uh, my show is involving one hyacinth bouquet. My show is keeping up appearances. Oh, ah. this is it was the early nineties, so nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety five. But because it's British television, it looks like it might as well have been filmed in the fifties. Yes, it seems like it forever. Really, until like whenever Matt Smith started in Doctor Who, mm-hmm. British television just looked old. Yeah, even the yeah. IT crowd. Yeah, well, looks well, they air, much if they aired on it PBS on Saturdays, it's old. Yeah, it right? looks. But even though yeah. it's not an old show, like Mr. Bean, episodes of Mr. Bean look so much older than they actually mm-hmm. are. I don't know mm-hmm. what the deal was with British television for so long. But uh, Keeping Up Appearances is a British sitcom about a woman named Hyacinth Bucket. Her name is Bucket, but she, she insists on everybody pronouncing it bouquet. And essentially, this is a fish out of water tale. But so often your fish out of water uh, tales are like, oh, look, she's dumb. She doesn't know what's going on. Think about, you know, Wonder Woman or whatever. It's like, oh, she doesn't know our, our customs. Mm-hmm. It's the other way around. It's this woman who just desperately wants to be fancy. She wants to be seen as proper and she lives with mm-hmm. her family are, are commoners, right? They're, they're, you know, just regular old uh, blue collar people. And she tries desperately to be seen as upper class and gets foiled at every turn by her funny family. This is a show that I, I watched a lot as a kid. And it's just this. I wonder funny, if it'd be seen as, a, it's seen as offensive now. Possibly, right? I guess. What you isn't? Know, it's, I know. It's you could say it's a little classic. It's so dry. The humor is so dry. It really is. But the magic of it is um, is Hyacinth played by Patricia Rutledge. Um, She just does a really great job with the role. Then her husband, Richard, is just such a like a do whatever you want, dear kind Mm -hmm. of a person. Mm -hmm. And the dynamic is really funny. Um, And she's a hilarious character. And, uh, you know, check out the show if you haven't seen it before. Keeping up appearances. Nice. Now we have the most influential television series start with you kent the better version of the office you can't say that because you haven't watched the american version of the office i've seen enough you haven't watched the american version of the office i've seen like one and a half seasons i've seen so many gifts that i've seen the office okay gifts from whom (laughs) so the office ran from 2001 to 2003 there's only 14 episodes two seasons which are short seasons obviously and then a two-part christmas special to wrap up the show the Office is basically the first season of The American Office is the, the first season of yeah, The British Office. It's pretty right? one-to-one. Yeah. As far as synopses go. This is created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant and stars Gervais and Martin Freeman, who plays... Uh, you seen Gervais or Gervais? I say Gervais. I think it's Gervais. Gervais. Why am I delaying the Gervais? I don't know. Is he French? It's Ricky Gervais. He's, he's French. David Brent is the boss. He's the Michael Scott. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then instead of Jim, it's Tim. Instead of Pam, it's Don. And so the, there's the love story, and the two likable characters you root for are Tim and Don. It's just so so beautiful between them. 
but David Brent is this character that I think Steve Carell tried and failed to be until he made it his own. Yeah. Uh, because he's not Michael Scott. He is actually a pretty, not despicable because you don't hate him. You just never want to be around that kind of person. He's icky. Right. He's icky because he's just trying to be an entertainer at all times. And it's like the weird cousin that you don't want around because you know they'll say something that's embarrassing to everyone yeah. else. And in that way... He created an amazing character. And even now, this show is seen as one of the best written TV shows ever. Mm -hmm. And I think it changed sitcoms altogether. True. From that moment on. Uh, I mean, a shout out to the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean with the wooden eye. Yeah. Gareth. Gareth. Dwight character. Uh, He was definitely a different version of Dwight. And they tried it with the pranks because Tim always did that to Gareth. But he was definitely like way more serious and kind of kind of a creeper sort of character. But The Office had 16 different spinoffs or versions in other countries, but it directly affected Parks and Rec, The American Office, obviously, Modern Family, What We Do in the Shadows. And I just think, honestly, sitcoms without a studio audience. Yeah. The, the mockumentary style was not invented by the, the UK office. No. Uh, yeah. nor, nor was having like an awkward boss or having workplace comedy, but it melded all these things together yeah. to be really accessible. And, and then obviously created something that, the American office that has been influential in its own right. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, still one of the best sitcoms of all time. And I prefer it to the show. I you prefer seen. it to you haven't seen. <laughs> Zach, what do you got? Uh, the most influential television series. British. Yeah, English. English. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the UK version of The Office. Is it? Absolutely. Okay. Because it spawned the, the American office, which, you know, the big thing really is they had, in adapting The Office for, you know, American audiences, they... They couldn't do the David Brent thing. No. Because David Brent is genuinely a jerk. Yes. And Michael Scott, at his core, is, an, is a good guy. He may make mm. a lot of mistakes. He may be ignorant, but he, he's, he's a good guy. And that had to be the main difference. There is, in British comedy, there's no hope. It is all <laughs> cynicism. And they're proud of it. Yeah. And so much in, you see in that, but especially in the comedy. And this is a, a show that is, it's awkward. And it never recovers the way that the the American office does. Well, one thing that UK television does so well is it doesn't belabor the point. It's almost what streaming shows try to do now, but it tells a story, for example, the Jim and Pam story, and finishes the story, and that's the end of the show. It doesn't go on for seven more seasons. No. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think it's so succinct. I much appreciate the the way that the show is just like, yeah, I mean, there could have been more, but mm-hmm. we, why? You know, we're good. Yeah. We, we've, we finished our story arc. So again, just because of what it spawned, like what you mentioned, um, uh, the whole new style of doing TV. Again, you don't have Modern Family without The Office. It, so many of these shows. Uh, this one's yeah. with the talking heads. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in, we, you, yeah. Yeah. You cut away. Even though the documentary. I mean, Christopher Guest really in, you know, I guess Rob Reiner. Yeah, Brian. Uh, it became that. popularized, but with TV, it was not seen as a thing. No, and it was more the they got so loose on why they were filming things. Oh yeah, too. they're like, we're just having this person talk to the camera because mm-hmm. yeah. not not the office. I'm talking about the ones the shows that came after. Sure, but and I, I I do appreciate that. Really, this version of the office led to the near death, if not total death, at this point of the laugh track, mm-hmm. which I, I don't really the care camera, for. Single camera, the single camera TV show started replacing the multi camera. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, again, think it's a very influential TV series. What do you think, Joel? Well, Mr. Matchy and Mr. Matchy, I guess it's my turn to mix things up a bit, and I chose this. <laughs> nice. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> this is the theme song for the UK version <laughs> of, the of The Office. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to pick the UK version of Parks and Rec. Dang it. <laughs> 
Uh, that's actually called uh, gardens and, and uh, mashers. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea what I'm saying. No. Yeah. No, but yeah, coming up the next on gardens and mashers. We, and mashers. We've <laughs> talked it to death. I don't like that we all match on this because I was hoping we'd get a little more branch out on this. More the for example, uh, Extras is a Gervais show, a uh, next show after this. It's still great. But I don't know if it's influential as right, much. You're right. And so I was looking at influential TV series, and this is one this is one came to mind. I kept being like, okay. Maybe they'll pick it. Maybe they won't. But now we all matched on mm-hmm. it. So well, let's. Because Doctor Doctor Who hasn't Doctor, really affected anything. Doctor Who is other than being a, a sixty-year-long show. Yeah, it's influenced a lot. I think just maybe not here in America. I think it's right. been influenced by a lot, though. True. Yeah, over really? time, it's yeah. like a little circ- cycle. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we obviously had the right answer there. Um, Apparently, what are we going to have for royally overrated? I'll go very quickly. Sorry, Joel. It's the Beatles. We we know why. We had an episode about it. I think they're overrated. Zach, they're good, but they're overrated. <laughs> we retired them. I, I know. I'm just. That's why I'm being fast. I'm still in a good mood from that episode. Okay. Joel, he's not yeah. bringing me Joel, down. what'd you pick? Uh, I chose fish and chips. <laughs> oh, I'm with you <laughs> because fish they're- and chips, often considered Britain's national dish, is a hot dish okay. consisted of fried fish and batter served with chips. Is or it the chips French or the fries. fish? No, it's just because overrated. I like chips. I like thick fries. It's steak fries. Yeah. And and they're good, but like having this be like everyone's like, oh, fish and chips. And they're like, you and know they're what? they're super cheap. They're What's like, you know what you need? Them? You put put some vinegar on that. <laughs> yeah, malt vinegar. Drop drizzle that all over. Add some salt. Yum. Actually, yum. No. I didn't I don't think I like fish and chips, right? I, I was like, I don't I don't think I like it, but I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna go to London. I'm gonna have some, right? Yeah. That's where it's supposed to be the best. And I can tell you after having it in a, in a really good example in a London pub, I don't like fish and chips. They're not good. Well, what if you take a lemon and you squeeze it all on top of it? How about some Listen, tartar sauce? I'd rather squeeze lemon in my eyes. When I was <laughs> poor in Australia, that's what we got is two bucks for a big newspaper wrapping of fish and chips and sometimes a fried Mars bar, which is actually a Milky Way. I loved it because you're poor and it tastes good. Oh, no, here's the thing. I am not a big fan of fish. We know that. Sure. But this but is it's a giant fish stick. This, that's honestly, what it is. That's what it is. It's a fish stick. Yeah, it's 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 food for children, and they're sitting there saying this is the but best it's thing. But it's, it's the difference from a chicken nugget to a chicken tender. <laughs> no, it's a different. It's the difference from a chicken nugget to a boneless chicken wing. Beer batter, That's fish tenders, baby. <laughs> and they serve it all over the place. The first one actually appeared, I think, back in like 1860s when they started doing sure. this. And there's thousands, thousands of them, and this is like. Oh, I guess I was going to say Charles Dickens. The first mention of chips in the sense of using them as fries was Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. He says, husky chips of potato fried with some reluctant drops of oil. It feels mean. They're not known for their food in England. They're not. And so to say it's overrated feels a little mean. I Well, it's just, no, that's it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, I'm like, oh, okay, beige food. Thank you for the beige food. <laughs> Happy to have At this. Best. Here, add some beige sauce on the beige food. <laughs> Some people use ketchup, by the way. John Lennon apparently covered his fit, his fish and chips in ketchup, oh, which makes me like him more. a married Yoko. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think it's overrated when I had it. <laughs> I, the, English, the full English breakfast was actually pretty tasty. What's with the beans? I like it. But not for breakfast, though. Beans That's on toast? Weird. I'm okay with beans on toast for breakfast, it's, man. And a tomato it's slice? It's protein. But... Protein. Gervais. <laughs> 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 Get myself some protein. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, give it a shot. Have your it feels essential lowered. when you go, right? It does. Like you got to try it out. Yeah. And then not really enjoy it. Yeah, Zach's over there pouring lemons in his eyes. I hate it. It's just it's, <laughs> like, hey, you want some cod and potatoes? It's, uh, it's sure. like it's thinking about flavor. It's just not good. Yeah. Why do people like, oh, fish and chips is so good. So fresh. It's comfort food. <laughs> it's and I get the that. the opposite of fresh. <laughs> it's so frozen. <laughs> so fried. Oh. 
So fried. <laughs> you guys stop picking on fish and chips. That's awful. <laughs> it's not awful. It's just overrated. And then Kent loves it. So we're all represented like it differently. Okay. <laughs> it's Kent's. He had it at his wedding. He loves it. That's why it didn't work out. Hey, hey <laughs> you want to you go check out all these museums and burp fish all day? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Kent, what'd you pick? This is the coldest take of all takes. And this one, I didn't take a lot of time. It's Ed Sheeran. Oh. Uh, Ed Sheeran is overrated because, yeah. duh. I mean, he sold 150 million albums, which is lame. Uh, Every once in a while, he puts out a bop, dude. Like what? Everyone. Can you ever remove him? Says the guy who just says the Beatles are overrated. I overrated uh, is accurate. He was in the movie yesterday, which is a, was, about yeah, Beatles music, and he yeah. was the worst part of it. Yeah. And he has some nice songs, but I can't get a picture of Ed Sheeran singing the song out of my head when the song is just playing. picture Ron Weasley yeah. doing it. it. Makes everything better. Actually, I'd be okay with that. Old Ron Weasley. He's yeah. good. He's good at the like the looping thing. That's kind of entertaining to watch him build a no, song. No, no, he's it's, talented, it's, it's but he's talented in a way that like. 80s singers were talented where they weren't attractive whatsoever that they were pretty ugly but they still put out pop hits hey let that's ugly where he people belongs. make music again they, we no, had a phil just... collins earlier <laughs> yeah that's let, true let balding mullets make music man <laughs> or gingers yeah you don't <laughs> have to be beautiful i'm gonna agree with kent on this only because he's the guy in the corner at a party yes. playing guitar and he's who has good. a million dollars in his back pocket. Yeah. You're like, why? How'd yeah. you get that? Mm-hmm. He's, he's the one standing at the party going, I bet these people don't know I can play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's very talented. Maybe it's a, I have a talent hate I for I bet him. he eats fish and chips all the time. I bet he does. I bet he loves them. That's how he gets his complexion. <laughs> What? Harsh. <laughs> no, that's harsh. You guys picked on fish and chip for the longest time. Fish and chips is not a living being. <laughs> it was. Fish and chips won't listen to this episode, maybe. Next one, I don't even know what this category is. It just says, that's very English, isn't it? It's very English, isn't it? Joel? What do you what, what? what what does it mean? What even is this? What well, just seems very English, you know? And I, th- I think of things that are English. I I obviously think of this. Yeah. You'd honestly think we wouldn't get through a show about England without me mentioning Doctor Who. Of course I'm going to bring up Doctor Who, because we talked about it at length on episode 25, Why Doctor Who? But this is a British science fiction television series broadcast by by the BBC since 1963. It's about a Time Lord called the Doctor, who's an alien who appears to be human, and he travels around space and time, usually with an earthly companion. But this is so English, and I, I'm I'm realizing this now as I watch it with my kids. I, I'm I started my kids on New Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where we're gonna stop because eventually I'm gonna be like, okay, you can just watch it on your own from here because I'm not <laughs> I'm not watching it anymore because it does a little Peter out in that way. But the thing's been going Capaldi for so long around there. Peter Capaldi, mid mid Matt Smith, but that's another mm-hmm. story. But this is a significant part. Clara, par- uh, Clara yeah. <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> be honest. Best looking companion. Yeah, yeah. worst yeah. companion, but best best looking. looking. Yeah. <laughs> Save for our, our, next, fish and chips. our Doctor Who follow-up show, and Zach can be there for it. Uh, but this has influenced many British television and, and film professionals, and it's people in the industry, many of whom grew up watching the series. It's Isn't in that so cool? Yeah. Just to be like, they all grew up on this weird, nerdy show, and they became these creatives yeah. in the field. And you yeah. get that in music, you get that in movies, you get that in TV. It is the longest-running science fiction television series in the world, and the most successful science fiction series of all time. Cool. The the TARDIS, the blue police box, has become an icon of British culture. And then, it, like I said, as I'm watching with my kids, I'm like, wow, this is very England-centric. Like, they're traveling to Cardiff, and they're, you know, in London all the time. Mm-hmm. It's constant, and... The budget was low. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But they have all these, you know, they eat fish and chips, and they, and they watch the telly, and they have all these things. And just every time I watch it with my kids now, I'm like, we're getting exposed to British culture. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Who... 
Very English, isn't it? I think tea is the most English thing. That's very English, isn't it? Yeah, tea. High tea? A a spot of tea. Tea is gross in any variety. Cuppa? I've had some like herbal teas before. Mm -hmm. And honestly, anytime I see in a show and they're like, oh, you know, fancy a cuppa. I'm like, gross. But at the same time, more than anything in this world, I want to be invited <laughs> for a spot of tea. Well, because it's Doesn't not it just seem about, so soothing. It's not just about the tea. You got little right. cucumber sandwiches, and which is also super weird. Yeah, they're not great. Yeah, but it seems like a, a like if you're being invited for a cup of tea, you're going to be able to vent about life, to gossip, or just sit around and talk about the finer things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is so British. And the, I would love to have tea with Lady Grantham. No, Dowager Countess. What did I say? No, Lady Grantham? Is that who, who that Isn't is? That she Lady would Grantham? judge you the entire time. No, that would be awesome. No, I would wouldn't. love to hear her witty comments about She would be around. insulting you the entire time. The standard English tea is called Builder's Brew. It's just a colloquial term for a strong cup of tea, which is basically a tea bag, ah. water, and a small amount of milk. Uh, my bad. Yes, Lady Grantham is Cora Crowley. Dowager Countess is... We've already forgotten oh, what the intention both, was. Both. I'm just imagining tea with them in my head. Okay. Both people who knew that are feeling better (laughs) (laughs) that you corrected yourself. Yeah. So, Zach, what's English in it? Very English in it is you, uh, you know, there are lots of great musicians. Mm -hmm. We've talked about some of them before uh, uh, earlier in this episode. There are lots of great uh, British musicians. Among them is one Adele Laurie Blue Adkins, but uh, otherwise known as Adele. Sure. For me, one of the most British in it things is, uh, first of all, Here's Adele's singing voice. We could have had it but the most British in it thing is this is her speaking voice. The thing is, I was in her dressing room and I was like, she said, there was only a little curtain separating us while she's having her makeup done. And I started like, I got to think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. And she would have heard it all. And then she popped out. So I po- Hello, love. Oh, my name's Adele. I got a bum chin. I got a bum. I got a bum chin. Whatever. I'm not bothered. Like, what is that? Is it British to think that they all sound American when they sing and then when they speak, it's a different thing? No, I think there's a science behind it. Yeah. Something about the way you sing is different, but yeah. It is just hilarious to me how, like, you know, poised and composed, Mm -hmm. and she's got this kind of jazzy sound, and she's a a beautiful singer. And just the most, the cockney most accent. unpleasant, cockney, gross accent. And I just hate <laughs> oh, we love you. hearing so it much so judgment. much. It's awful. Please don't talk. Just sing. Oh, wow. That's all. It's, I think it's, your voice is lovely in any way, shape, or form, Adele. Please come to my birthday party. <laughs> but don't speak. Just sing. <laughs> now we have, wait, they're English? Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Springer is English. Wait, no, what? Like, wait, like born in England and moved when he was two? Moved when he was four. Still counts. Oh. Born, no, get this He doesn't have an story. accent. It doesn't count. Je- uh, but that's the question. Wait, they're English? With a question mark. It should be surprising. I was, I, I would have guaranteed, I'd have put my life savings on a bet that he would have picked Andrew Garfield. But go on. Yeah. Well, no, I watched... No, it just proves that Ken doesn't love Andrew Garfield as much as we do. I, I love Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield was in a movie called Boye, very English movie. Also... It was based on the life of Alex Boye? In two episodes... Of Doctor Boye, In two episodes of Doctor Who. I knew he was English. That's not a question. Those episodes. Very British. Yeah, very British. Very English. Listen to this story. His parents had just ran from the concentration camps during the Holocaust. Their parents passed away in those concentration... Their, their parents... 
Jerry Springer's grandparents passed away in those concentration camps. They went to literally London Underground's Highgate station that was being used as a bomb shelter when there was German bombings happening Yikes. and born in that station. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It is. And so then, yes, it's, I don't even think it's a cheat because technically he's English. We've seen him on TV for a couple of decades and he seems very American, but apparently he's, uh, yeah, he has that, that history. And yeah, I just never would have thought it. And in my research, I'm like, that's pretty cool. I had no idea. I, yeah. That's actually surprising. Don't yeah. be surprised. But he doesn't have an accent. Well, he doesn't need an accent. That's the point. Well, in in a, in that vein, Joel, I was looking through a list of British celebrities, and I, I basically stopped when I was surprised. And of course, the, he, he does have an accent. My choice is a man who, it, keeping on theme for me, is from Paddington, London, England. <laughs> it's Mr. Alfred Molina. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred Molina is very British. Throw me the gun. Very throw you the whip. <laughs> He was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Spider-Man 2, Frida, Magnolia, and most importantly, he was Snidely Whiplash in the Brendan Fraser movie, Deadly Do-Right. What about Chocolate? I just, I think he's a multifaceted actor, but you kind of look at him, you're like, oh, you're probably, you know, Latino, right? You're probably from, maybe you're from Mexico, maybe you're from South America, Spain. I mean, his parents were both immigrants, uh, um, Spanish and Italian. Mm, okay. Immigrant. That makes sense. And so it, yeah, his look makes sense. Uh, he was voted as having, uh, the best eyebrows at one point in his life. <laughs> um, still, he yeah. still has that title. When I, w- I was watching just interviews with him, you know, like, uh, promoting his movies and stuff. And I, I'm shocked every time when that accent comes out, I'm like, what? and he still has the accent. Yes. Yes, he does. Okay. It's not like, it's not really strong. Mm-hmm. It's n- nowhere near as bad as Adele's, but it, <laughs> 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 but it is definitely uh, a surprise to me every time. Uh, Alfred Molina. Great pick. From Paddington, London. Yeah. For me, the first time I noticed an accent and I was surprised by it was when I was watching House. And I see yeah. Dr. House sitting there mm-hmm. talking like this the entire time. This accent, by the way, a Dr. House accent is banned in my house. My, my wife does not allow it because when I talk like House, mm-hmm. I tend to talk like House and I'm a little bit rude. <laughs> so she told me to stop doing that. But then I found out that Hugh Laurie, who plays Dr. House on House is like full blown English, like like a British celebrity. He's basically no their Brian Cranston. Yeah. Because he's yeah. In a, a bit of Fry and Laurie. Like he's a comedian. A bit of Fry and Laurie is great. Yes. Yes. I mean he was in Fry and Laurie, uh that's the comedy group with Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. He was in uh Jeeves and Wooster, which mm-hmm. was a, another comedic thing. He was in Black Adder, which is a very British thing. So he had this whole successful career in England before he yeah. ever made it over here to America. And then from 2004 to 2012, he was Dr. Gregory House on the Fox Medical Drama House. Super convincing. And he's this gruff, grumpy old doctor who knows a thing or two about medicine. insult us like House would. (laughs) I'd rather not. My (laughs) wife may be listening. The funny thing about it is when he auditioned for the role, the executive producer uh, was so unaware that he was British and so convinced by who he was. He said, this is the kind of compelling American actor we need on our show. Mm. This is who we're looking for. What? And then uh, Hugh Laurie kept the accent in between takes and house too. He kind of kept that character going. But then you hear him as like the voice of the of the oh the Doctor Ant Doctor Bug guy in Monsters vs Aliens. Oh right, yeah. And to me, that's what he normally probably sounds like mm-hmm. that very upper British kind of way of talking. But Hugh Laurie surprising to me. I don't know if it's as surprising to people now because House has been off the air for like a decade now. It's crazy. But yeah, in, that was one of the big moments of like. Wait, they're English in my life. And I think a lot of Fry and Larry clips have uh, come up on social Afterwards. media. Yeah, right. yeah yes. post, post house. Yeah. Sure. By the way, he was getting $700,000 an episode by the end of the series. Awesome. That's more than, I, more than I make in a month. That's like 
seventy pounds. I don't. I don't know the. <laughs> I don't know what it. Yeah, <laughs> conversion rate. I don't even. They're know. in euros. What is, anyway. yeah, yeah. What is yeah. what is that in yen? I don't know. <laughs> now we have. We'd like to declare our independence from this. Tell us, Zach. Football, soccer. You can have it. I don't want it. Whoa. Send it back. I've been to Real Salt Lake games with you. You can have them. You know, we had a good we had a good run. We'd let them try here, but really let's, you know, let's, we let's got, let England have we, that. No, we got football that has way more concussions. Like we're doing we're doing fine in that area. <laughs> We've got baseball. Like you can have soccer, football. You know, you don't even know what it's called. But the world <laughs> loves it. And yeah. we, we waited so long to get soccer over no. here. And I played it for six years in Little League. You know why they call it that soccer? Makes sense. You look like a <laughs> soccer player. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's not you know, a compliment. You know, oh, house? Oh, it is his house voice. He's house rude. Doctor House. He's kind of rude. He's kind of rude. Uh, it's called soccer because it was called association football, and association was abbreviated to soccer, basically. So that's what we screwed up soccer. there at some point. Today I learned. Yep. Uh, you can have it back. Sorry, Ryan Farron. I don't like it. <laughs> Feels targeted. Nope. Not a fan. Take it back. Sorry. 95% of the world. Yep. <laughs> Britain's worst import is the world's most popular game. <laughs> the thing about it, Zach, is you are getting after Adele for her accent, but you are not getting after Russell Brand, who needs to be, we declare our independence from Russell Brand. He goes a little bit higher sometimes, though. A little bit. Yeah. But hey, but what has he done lately? He does a he podcast. A podcast and he's become oh. Zach. He's become a political commentator, oh. and that drives me nuts. And he was in a Ryan Johnson movie. Hey, he's not no. trying to tell well, jokes no. anymore. No, but that's the problem. Is like when he appeared on the scene when he started. Uh, uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall was his big breakout mm-hmm. role here, and he started doing stand up here, and he was in Get Him to Greek. He's the old doctor in Despicable Me Too. Yeah, that's what, Despicable Oh, Me I said he was in a Ryan Johnson movie. I thought it was Glass Onion. No, he's in the Kenneth Branagh one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's in the Death on the, the Nile. Death on the Nile, terrible movie. Didn't see it. Awful. Uh, but then also, I mean, he was in um, oh shoot, what is that? Arthur. They did a remake of Arthur. Yeah. Oh no. I've never liked. Well, he was like the the, the British stoner guy for yes. a while there. He's got the kind of disheveled look to him. Looks like he's lived in a dumpster for a couple of years. Yes. He married Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, he's always um, he's so fidgety in interviews. I, and he gets up on his chair. Honestly, makes me though, uncomfortable. He he went through a lot of addiction issues, and he's cleaned up, and it's kind of cool to see. It's good I, uh, for him. Yeah, but I've never liked his comedy. I same, don't like that he's become a political commentator. Sure. And so I'm like, let's just let's just cut that tie there. Like, okay, we're declaring our independence from you, Russell Brand. So you want his YouTube channels to be blocked in your country or region? Yeah, I, yeah, I have to get a <laughs> VPN to watch his, listen to his stuff, or watch his shows. That that'd be the way I do it because I'm not a fan. I thought you just generally wanted to declare independence from Cockney, and no. I was right there with you. I love the Cockney accent. No, awful. No, bad. Ugh. The only right answer is the royal family. Who the heck cares? Any Wait, the royal family or Meghan Markle and... Specifically, what? Prince Harry, uh, Harry Markle, and Meghan Markle. <laughs> uh, I hate them, oh, the, and I don't the, even want to bring much attention to them. Gal from Suits? But even when I was growing up and I had crushes on girls when I worked at Laguna Beach and they'd always be like, I have pictures of Prince William on my wall. He's so handsome. And I hated Prince William because he got all this, like, all the crushes. I think I was jealous of Prince William. I'm going to say, uh, Zach's theme is bears. Yours is jealousy. Uh, it's a little bit of jealousy. And then people liked Harry. And, you know, I don't like English gingers. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but, like, I full on, I respect the queen. And I think it's cool that they have a royal family. But the current point, queen? Well, she's passed away now. But I think now that she's passed, who cares? 
they have no power. They shouldn't be these tabloid stars. Sure, it's cool that they're still this like lineage, but I think it's a weird family altogether. What is that? Wait, hold on. What does that soapbox say on the side you're standing? Made in Britain. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, you, you, it's, it's easy no, to... No, he uh, has Irish levels of hate toward the royals. I think I do. Yeah. I'm like the IRA. Like, this is my in this show. You're like Killian Murphy when you meet him and just all disappointed. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw something the other day that said uh, Queen Elizabeth II had uh, ruled for one third of America's history yes. or something like that. And I was it's like, insane. what? Yeah. Crazy. But, but now let's be done. All right. Now our final category makes sense. We're going to knight somebody today. Who, we have the power. Who should get the knighthood? After bashing on Joel. Ed Sheeran in the royal family, we have the power. Who's going to have sir or dame in their title? I'm doing a lot of visual comedy here because I'm choosing Rowan Atkinson. Okay. Now he is already in the uh, order, the, uh, excuse me, he's a commander of the most, most excellent order of the British Empire, CBE. Which is the one notch below. Yes, he's not United. yet a knight commander of, or a knight commander of the most excellent order of the British Empire, KBE, or a knight grand cross uh, of the most excellent order of the British Empire, CBE or GBE, which is that's when you get to use Sir uh, when you're called or, yes. or Dame for women. So base level, your member. Then above that, officer. Above that, commander. That's mm-hmm. where Mr. Atkinson sits. And then above that, as you mentioned, GBE or and that's you know, when you get the Sir. Now I think this because Rowan Atkinson, as Mr. Bean, exposed a lot of us, really of did. my generation. And, well, and even just seeing like the way they drove, the places they lived. Yeah, the culture there. I was exposed to that a lot because Mr. Bean, because it's mm-hmm. so accessible for young children. And I'm showing it to my children now. Rowan Atkinson, outside of Mr. Bean, but in Mr. Bean as well, he is a master of physical comedy. Like he's he's Same. got very funny jokes and and can do a lot of funny uh, words. But the way I, I, there's an invisible drum solo. I don't know if you've seen that going around. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Yeah. And he's so well done at that. And I just when I was looking at people who need knighthood, I was like, yes. wait, he's almost there. Just his, bump his, him up. His bit at the um, London Olympics when he's playing Chariots of Fire. Yes, right? the one do, do, note. Do, 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 do. So the fun. audience went nuts when he appeared. Oh, he's amazing. And I was like, that doesn't happen for many people, but it happens for Rowan Atkinson. Uh, how many episodes of Mr. Bean are there? What, like eight? <laughs> fifteen. <laughs> Barely. It ran for five years. There are fifteen episodes. I thought it ran for eight years and had a hundred and fifty. Well, there's episodes. like you know three or four sketches. There's within a couple one sketches episode. per episode. Yeah. It's no. funny though when you're a kid and you can watch stuff all the time. You're like, I love this running sketch. Oh, it's the same episode. It is. Yeah. yeah. It really is. They, it, uh, they come every me, night, late at night. Yep. Insane that there are not so many more episodes. Um, I, I know I skipped you, Kent, but my answer is also Rowan Atkinson because we we agree. he's right there. He's one step away. We shall knight him. Sir Rowan Atkinson. That's who you're giving so it to good. as well? Absolutely. Huh. It's Mr. Bean. It's a good pick, but mine start in Four Weddings and a Funeral, The Witches, Hot Shots Part Two, The Lion King and Rat Race. It's Sir Rowan Atkinson. What? No, <laughs> no way. Listen, How do we all we match all, the guy who already has all the people? This OB. is a guy that's put years of service into his country, comic relief specials, theater work, and being an ambassador to young Americans. He deserves to be called Sir. How, okay, guys, I don't know if you know this, but there's more than seven people that live in England. <laughs> No, maybe, there's not. Maybe even I more than seven absolutely celebrities. Absolutely not. How did we all pick Rowan Atkinson? You guys didn't pick any of the Knights of Sidonia? There's not even, one muse person you could have given that crown yet. to? Not yet. You know, uh, Rowan Atkinson was born in 1955. Uh, he was a, it was a wealthy farming family. He studied electrical engineering at Newcastle and Oxford. I mean, you know. He's he, in a movie he, called a Johnny English. That's basically the name of our show. <laughs> 
Wow. Blackadder. We, we got to talk more about Blackadder. Black yes. It was never my cup of tea. But it's good, though. Peak dry British comedy. Yeah. It's very dry. Yes. I felt bad, though. That's like sliding so many people that deserve these accolades. Well, that's the, that's the problem with when we don't coordinate with one another, that we have a matchy-matchy answer. I thought I was going to be so cool saying I Ron Atkinson. I was, well, here's the thing. I was like, no one's going to. Kent probably hates Mr. Bean. I love Mr. Bean. Zach was too young to watch Mr. Bean. I thought I have this in the bag. <laughs> all right. Now we have to look up other people to get No, we're all doing it. <laughs> one eternity later. Well, then I'd like to give an honorable mention to Warwick Davis. Otherwise known as Wicket and Willow and Professor Flitwick. Um, he deserves knighthood. He's a nice guy. Hey, he deserves it. I'm going to my honorable mention. You can't, you can't poo-poo my honorable mention. Nah, okay. I'll give it to you. It's fine. I think at some point, Helena Bottom Carter, unless she's already got it, I think she'll she's receive CBE, her I believe. Is she okay? Is she going to cover? <laughs> From CVE. Mm-hmm. Here are some people that are one step away that, that could level up. Um, <laughs> that's what they call it. Yeah. Level up. Well, this is one that I actually had picked, but I didn't want to be offensive as I didn't know they were British or whatever that category was. Hugh Laurie is CBE. Okay. Much like, uh, He's do more than what he did. Yeah. Helena bottom Carter is, is one step away, two steps away. David Beckham, Kieran, Kieran Knightley, three steps away, Adele, Ed Sheeran. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying, what about ginger spice? Because, uh, I don't know. Mm. Ginger. You, I oh, all I, the do, I do like it, uh, ginger Brits. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to move on. Yeah, this is weird revelations at this point, but apparently we match on a couple different things, and we oh, those two categories we triple matched on. I don't know that, how that happened. like, never happens on categories. Sorry, Brits. That is we weird. But we want to know if you agree. We want you to play along with these categories. You probably have some knowledge of, of England and its pop culture. You may not have realized it until this episode. But we want to hear from you on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Let us know your English picks and how English they are. Before we go, we want to thank some patrons in a couple of special categories, including the I Am Listener tier, which is Briggs is Hot, Angela Plotz, Casey Cummings, Juice the Cooler King Swallow, Andrew's Doing a Big Jump, Sir and Madam Hicks, Jennifer Kilkowski, Taylor Sanderson, Rocky and Steph, Adam and Rachel Crump, Ryan and Marley, Dave Kelly, Lady Terry A. Finley, and Scott Sprague. Then we have our Bacon Council, which includes Debbie Foster, Glowclan Daniel, our favorite couple of the Madsons, Johnny English, the Brick, Star Wars expert Kyler, her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Stephen, everyone's favorite Ross, the one, the only Chris Anderson, Nicole Deke Hale, and Beaker. Thank you, patrons. You are the fish to our chips. The, but but we don't like them. With but ketchup good. smothered we like all you, over though. it. No, but you guys underrated. are rated. So much vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with Quickwits. They perform at the Midvale Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. You can find me at Twitter or Instagram at Kenny3DD. You can read my movie reviews at showtimeshowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter slash X or Instagram at TumblingMustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Please like that Facebook page and visit at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. While you're doing that, visit tpublic.com slash Bacon Sale where you can get yourself some merch, you know, your, your closet could use another bacon sale shirt or hoodie or something. You know it. Or your body. That's that's true. And then if you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit patreon.com slash bacon sale, where support starts at just $3 a month. You can get all sorts of fun behind-the-scenes perks. And we're going to put up a video of us drinking lemon-lime soda. It's going to be just so Way fun. exciting. <laughs> Very <laughs> British. Patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, it's bacon sale, in it, in it, in it, in it. Love you, Isle of Man. Man, And women. Mm. Take that, England. What? (laughs)
carbonation. They do chocolate better, but we do sugar better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, America. America. <laughs> sugar. It's kind of like your dating life. <laughs> Devious, Devious and, and smooth. smooth. Not quite smooth. <laughs> Flaky. Beep, 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 beep. History. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, trying to take over I mean, the world. Hey, England. Thanks, but also rude. That's one of my you choices. psychic? That's one of my choices. When did Zach get to be psychic? Zachary, are you psychic? How, how psychic, psychic are you? Read my mind. Come along. Yes. What, 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 what gravy am I thinking of right now? <laughs> I feel like I'm in trouble all the time and I don't hate it. This Everyone at this so table well. loves Paddington. Hey, you know that cute bear that you like so much? Like, what if you went to jail, though? How was your flight? <laughs> Jigsaw? <laughs> Did you put her name on the cup of fire? <laughs> Nothing super prominent happened. Uh, during that time. Merka. How romantic. He wants to cuddle forever. Remove the walls. We're gonna snuggle forever. There's I'm sensing a bear theme with Zach. I like <laughs> I like <laughs> British bears. <laughs> but because, I thought you were doing the Pet Shop Boys layup uh, so you could do the Erasure Slam Dunk. My show is involving a bear. Uh, that's actually called uh, Gardens and, and uh, Mashers. Oh, okay, beige food. Thank you for the beige food. <laughs> Happy to have at this. Best. Here, add some beige sauce on the beige food. And I get the that. The opposite of fresh. <laughs> so frozen. So fried. Oh. So fried. You guys stop picking on fish and chips. Let That's ugly people loves. make music again. They, fish and <laughs> chips is not a living being. <laughs> and I played it for six years in Little League. You know why they call it that soccer? Makes sense. You look like a soccer player. <laughs> Thank you. It's not you know, a compliment. You know. Oh, house. Oh one one eight nine 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 eight eight one nine 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 one one nine seven two five three.